welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Miss personal assistant. To right. <laughs> uh, yes, so the question, here we are. So the question is, do you think televised debates can influence or alter voters' perception of candidates? Also, do you believe that it can, they can provide political moderation, transparency, and reduce partisan tensions? So here is the question. So first question you've had about televised debates. So should they be reintroduced? Also, should, do you think that they can help to shape or alter the perception of candidates? Or do you also think that they can help to promote political moderation, transparency, and uh, reduce partisan tensions. So who would like to start? I think this time Charlene should start. Um, okay, um, yeah. So I um, I get really excited for um, televised debates. Um, the American ones are a little bit more entertaining um, than the British ones. The British ones are really technical and dry. Um, and so for me, I kind I, I I do like to see what what effect it has on the the kind of the, the tide of any election um, because there there always is like someone wins on the night, someone loses on the night, and you immediately see the popularity swing in one direction or another, and that changes the the, the kind of dynamic of the campaign. Um, from that point, uh, no matter what happens on on the on the final day, so yes, I would love to see. I do think that they can definitely influence um, voters' decisions. Um, I think Ghanaian voters have been deprived for a very long time of real debate. Um, it's often the ones that they have had in the past have always been marred by. Um, one or two people deciding not to turn up, um, which I think is, you know, quite disrespectful disrespectful yeah, to the to the electorate. Um, and and the sad thing is, it's often like the president, you know, the person that we've previously entrusted with our power and our vote, who basically says because he's been entrusted with the power and vote, he's too important a person to come and ask again for that same power, um, which, it, you know, it, it's quite it's quite rude. Um, and then when obviously when the president decides he's not going to do it, then the, the flag bearer for the, op the main opposition party will then decide that, well, if they're not going to do it, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Um, and I think that it is, you know, Nigel was saying before how sad it is that we are stuck with these two parties. Um, but I think it, it is even more a travesty when you know that those two parties do not value the ability to justify why they've come to you to begin with. Um, and also because, let's be honest, manifestos are written in ivory towers, um, you know, as a joke. They just write down slogans as it comes to them. I'm sure they're, you know drinking and getting high whilst they're writing it, you know, the kind of stuff that comes through manifestos. Um, and no one ever gets to make them stand by their numbers or stand by their claims. Um, and that's what televised debates allow. So um, I think it's, 
I think it would be very interesting. I think it would very it would educate the electorate a lot more than what we currently are able to give them if the people who wanted their vote actually stood there and answered for it. That's very, very interesting. So, yeah, no, I definitely follow what you're saying in terms of, I, I personally believe that really and truly Ghana should reintroduce televised debates. And uh, mm-hmm. I also believe that no matter what, even though some people might disagree with me, at the end of the day, some people might say that oh, it's just uh, visibility and PR. But really and truly, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not just a matter of the cult of personality when you look at America's, the Kennedys, the Obama, and Nixon, but it's more of sometimes you're also able to see through body language, depending on how good of a media training somebody receives, if yeah. this candidates are able to actually convey that sense of security, that sense of stability. And yeah. when you only have that short time or that short moment, it's literally make or break. So I personally think that I would love to see them. And even if it's not televised, I would like to have you on the radio because believe it or not, sometimes through even through the airwaves, you can actually sense how people talk or how people come mm-hmm. so i think to me that's something that's re- very relevant and very important but then i would also like to hear nigel's opinion on this so um i'm not necessarily i'm not necessarily a fan of debates um of televised debates in a sense of it changing people's opinions per se i think it changes a certain it can affect a certain demographics opinion which mm-hmm. is often the We'll say in the middle class, mm-hmm. the floating voters. Mm-hmm. Let's call it yeah. the floating voters, right? Um, in a situation like Ghana, where we've we've had televised debates before, where as Shani would say, I think a lot of candidates have um, treated it with disrespect. To be honest, um, even just with how they turn up, <laughs> the type of answers mm. that they give is merely mm. "We are here just to be here." I think that's simply because they know, to be honest, they won't be held accountable for anything there. They say that. Um, yeah. And that is because, yes, we have a floating voter which decides an election in particular regions, but mm-hmm. the vast amount of Ghanaian votes, voters are dedicated to one party or another, um, regardless of what they do and what they say. Um, I think I'd find... Uh, a debate a lot more interesting the day they actually allow for the diaspora to vote mm-hmm. um, mm. I'd probably a little bit more engaged then uh, I think they take advantage of our how do you put it they take advantage of the way politics has been run in Ghana um, well ever since essentially and that mm. tribal politics runs everything whereas with the diaspora it's a completely different affair. You must mm. not only come with some form of a plan, you will most likely be held accountable for that in an international perspective as well. Um, we will make noise and push um, for deadlines, push for real figures. I mean, some people will feel the pressure, you know, <laughs> um, which is why I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um mm public debates often enough i mean in the west it's it's more personality tests really um, mm-hmm. personality, and that's what people tend to vote for as opposed to policy 
Um, the the last debate that I watched actually was today. Um, we went back to watch the 2012 um, debate for in Tamale, where we okay. had uh, uh, President uh, Kufrado, and at the time he was um, opposition. And we had uh, President John Mahama, um, Ab- Abu Sakara, and there was somebody else. If when I watched it. The strongest candidate was actually Abu Sakara, in my opinion. Mm. However, mm-hmm. he would stand no chance in winning an election in Ghana because nobody mm. cares <laughs> about the facts um, yeah. whatsoever. And it, it is interesting because we, it's, it's not, to be honest, it's no different to the UK or anywhere else, essentially, that people make grand promises and whatnot, etc. And then when you get into, yeah. you get into government, um, you, you do as you wish. I think, so I don't think it makes too much of a difference um, just because I think it's a lot more localised. It will be based on what the MPs do in that area and how much, if they're able to swing the vote for their candidate and their party um, as opposed to the presidential candidate. Because let's be honest, NDC can put anybody there and NDC people will vote for NDC regardless. Likewise for MPP. The character doesn't matter so much so, um, which is a shame. And I think that's mainly also because neither party have ever proven to be anything different. They don't do anything different. Um, The candidates do as the party tells them to do, like what essentially democracy in the West is. So... Yeah. We we don't have those type of personalities. That might change later if we start to have a younger generation of um of candidate, a more engaged um uh political class in the country across the different parties, then yeah, it might make it might make it for a better spectacle. Um same for the medium in which it's 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 shown because I think one of the issues we have is <clears throat> We know that Ghana's national language is English, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes a lot of information gets lost in translation um, to the majority of the nation outside of Accra and whatnot, because some of the things we discuss and what's discussed in these debates and on the radio never trickles down to the, yeah. to the, guy, to the guy or the lady um, down in the village somewhere. Um when you're speaking about the GDP contracting and you've raised this tax and raised that tax, like, it, I mean, sometimes we have to localize the language and not just from mm-hmm. a, a vernacular perspective, but how that's also just given to them. And so the debate is, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. So I, I would probably give it a miss up until the point they allow us to vote, allow us to vote because all we'll be hearing is just a load of um, promises and they'll go they'll get into parliament get into office do their yeah. normal road shows come to the uk say whatever they're gonna say and bounce and do what they're doing anyway um let's just let's just save let's just save the funds right and put it <laughs> see but this is the thing because i'm i'm of the opinion that like it's quite key to educating the electorate out of their current behavior of I'm NDC, I'm gonna vote NDC no matter what. Like I, I, I feel like, um, I feel like they've been deprived of so much information 
the only thing that they can go off of is which logo do they want to pin their standard on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more we kind of don't bring, like the, the longer we go without bringing in other mediums or other media, um, the the longer that type of behavior persists. And then obviously, like you said, they're not bothered about it. So then don't do it, but we haven't done it. So they continue to not be bothered about it. Um, whereas it is, it is one thing that we can change. Obviously this year we're supposed to have a diaspora vote. We all know that's probably not going to happen. Um, but it potentially, I would agree with you in the sense of if there was a diaspora vote, then you bring in televised debates. The diaspora respond to those televised debates as they've been trained to in their respective countries. Um, and the domestic electorate see how people engage with that kind of format um, and potentially just assimilate into that particular culture of, mm. okay, this is where we put the, co- the questions forward. Um, but I, I just do think that even if they don't give the diaspora the vote, um, the longer we don't have these kind of televised debates, the longer people are just going to base it off of who gave me a bag of rice or my grandfather voted NDC, therefore. Um, and and that is problematic. You know, there's, there's, like, given how expensive campaigns are in Ghana, there's actually a dearth of information. Like, there's... There's no real challenge to politicians. Whenever they speak to journalists, it's just it's effectively just a press conference. Mm. Um, like it's it's not a conversation, it's not a dialogue. It's just um, a monologue from the particular politician, and then they leave. So wouldn't you say um, that's the re- wouldn't you say sorry sorry actually you continue yeah go on. No, I was gonna say wouldn't you say that that's partly the reason why the the nation is bereft of the information or being able to interpret the information that's being given to them because the people that can hold them accountable essentially um Mm -hmm. the media don't do so i mean we've seen how they interview like you said there's not really an interview um Mm -hmm. how they interview within the country Uh, but Mm -hmm. the minute they are outside it and they're being pressured by Jeremy mm-hmm. Paxman or somebody else, mm-hmm. um, yep. they seem to be able to be obedient and realise that, oh, actually, I have to <laughs> come up with some facts and show yeah. why I am a credible candidate. But within the actual country itself, you're just merely, uh, we're giving you this interview out of a favour, and if you dare ask me anything that I don't like, mm. we'll deal with you, essentially. Um, because the media plays a massive role in the elections, a massive role. Mm. They, they play a massive role in our society, full stop, but a massive mm. role in the, re- the elections because of how they report the uh, the behaviours of our, our politicians. Um, and I, for one, don't see that many of them that do a great job, essentially. Um, yeah, no, I agree. They literally just put their, you know, their microphone in someone's face, and you know, whatever comes out comes out, and that's a soundbite. Um, I, I, I do think, yeah, I, I mean, you're right. When you see them come onto Panorama, or you see them come onto Newsnight, or whatever, and they give you so much more information than you've seen in four years in Ghanaian media, and you're just like, how is that possible? Um, I think there are some really, really amazing journalists in Ghana who are pushing back and asking questions, mm. and they're catching. They're catching politicians out when they're just picking numbers out of the sky, you know, and, and you know, I think that there is a few good ones, enough to do 
televised debates and have that particular journalist or two um, as the moderators. Um, do, you have, can, do you have any in mind? Or are we... uh, my 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 favorite journalist right now is Bernard Avler of City yeah, TV. Same. Um, <laughs> him and Kodja for me. Yeah, they're they're amazing. Like they just they'll just be like, wait, you just said one plus one point five is three, and I just need to know where you got the point five. You know, like just just clarify what you just said there. You know, yeah. Um, and and actually, most of, most of City TV are pretty decent as well. Maru Sander has a few clips that like will live with me forever. I think he asked one politician one time what would you score yourself out of a hundred like percentage wise? And the, the politician said, Oh, 70%. And then Amara Sander said, um, Oh, so you failed by 20, by 30%. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, why are you going to do that to the guy? Um, but um, there's a few who are like confident enough to challenge politicians um, and, and, and their propaganda. Um, and, and so it, w- it would be interesting to kind of, you know, elevate those particular persons um, and hopefully get more out of get more out of them um, in terms of challenging campaigns because it otherwise it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, right? The longer we don't get them to do that, the more the politicians think it's not necessary. They only ever have to answer to BBC. They only ever have to write an editorial in the Financial Times um, yeah. and things like that. No, you're right. So do you both think then that the owners should be more on media houses to actually, yeah, to keep most of these politicians accountable, to ask the right questions, even the uncomfortable questions, and really, yeah, and really have them to answer for any type of action that they've been taking? The media media houses have to do much more. Um, They've Mm. they've got too comfortable. Um, Some of them... They look at the situation, they look at their former colleagues or so now ministers and MPs and deputy ministers, and they don't want to be too harsh because they used to be friends or they still drink at the chop bar together or whatever the situation is. Or one of them, one politician is an uncle and he helped him through journalist school so he can't hurt him when he's talking, you know, that kind of stuff. Let's be honest, the media is partially in the pocket of the politicians or partially fear, fearful of the politicians. Um, so they do need to do a lot more. But also, maybe because I live on Twitter, <laughs> um, I would love to see a lot more independent content, um, a lot more journalists producing their own blogs, their own articles, um, a lot more of... I, I really love what Lydia Forson's been doing recently um, in terms of just being politically aware and sharing her opinions. Um, and getting a lot of engagement from people um, about the politics that that they are living through. Um, so I think that yes, the media houses need to do a lot more. They need to be a lot more stronger um, as a separate entity away from the politicians. But we also need just a lot more media. We just need a lot more content, mm. um, and in so many different ways as well. I um, definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. So I look forward to. Um, Seeing your vlogs and your blogs, <laughs> media content. No, I, I think I think it's important. Um, and I guess as we've always been talking about, how do mm. we? We're essentially about solutions, right? That's what we're here here for. It's not necessarily to um, bash people and whatnot. It's 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 for solutions so we can move forward. And I guess mm-hmm. 
It's about engage. How do we actively engage um, on the ground apart from just being on the podcast and talking amongst our friends? Is is these type of things, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I put it out to yourself, myself, Derek, and whoever else is listening that we should. This is something that we should do, you know. Whether it's a, we should engage um, on the ground and find out what's really going on, and we should also be part of that education process. Um, mm-hmm. How do we? How how do we go about educating um, people around us, people here in the diaspora, and people at home of what's going on? and how we can move forward essentially because there's a there's a massive gap there there's a massive mm. gap there and i agree with you that the longer it continues the further away we will be from accountability um, mm. and really shaking things up i think there have been some movements before and there are probably still some movements going on now but they fade away pretty quickly and don't seem to have much of a long-term strategy into how they're going to implement these ideas that they they have and like i said it's not it's not just about criticizing and to be honest we don't really want to criticize anyone but it just is what it is it's just how can we move forward because it's dire right Mm. i don't see like i said for for an an opposition party that in many people's eyes did a terrible job to be able to confidently come up and say we're the only alternative choice yep. in um, in the upcoming election. Can you imagine? <laughs> should, should really say what they think about the electorate and also what's kind of true of the electorate in a way as well. Um, how do we break that? How do we shake that mm-hmm. for them to be a lot more accountable? And I mean, this is the, these are conversations that are happening globally in every country regarding politics because politics mm-hmm. in the world is in complete disarray. I mean, it's, it always has been, but everybody's showing their ass now. So yeah. it's 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 in a, a it, it's crazy at the minute. I mean, the last time there was a a presidential um, candidate that was neutral, an independent candidate, I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, was that Macron in France? Um, was he independent? Yeah, oh. No, Macron was with... Uh, I'm, to sure. I'm sure he was he, he, I think he, was, he wasn't really in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Comte Hollande, and after Hollande, no, I think Hollande was the... Why is your French so good, but your tree is so bad? <laughs> oh, yeah. Answer this question. We're going to be exposed today. <laughs> please, it's not exposure time. Please, it's not exposure time. We will talk about it in another episode. <laughs> um, no, you know what? I don't know. I think it's... I, I think I think there might be some truth in that. Potentially. I think Nigel might be right because I think yeah. that the successor of uh, uh, what's his name Malone was uh, the former prime minister of uh, the former prime minister uh, Villepin. Yeah, and he was uh, yeah he was and uh, Nigel was right. He was from Republic uh, Marche. So yeah, yeah. So he was from an independent band. And even Michael Bloomberg tried it, but to no avail. So, uh, forget that one there. <laughs> 
different strokes. That's what I said. We know different nations. Yeah. But I think so. He, if I'm if I'm correct, he he swept away with did. on a progressive, mm-hmm. um, progressive nature. That's what he went for, and mm-hmm. kind of targeted the the youth essentially. Yeah. Young millennials. Right. young millennials and I think when we speak of debates there is a change in demographic um, mm. especially a young, amongst the young people in Ghana who would mm. be open to really holding them accountable and mm-hmm. we know I know that they do go around to the the universities and and whatnot but I think if we also added our voice to it so you mean the diaspora voice. The diaspora I mean, as you can tell, I'm a keen, I'm a keen proponent of um, the diaspora getting involved in the affairs of Ghana, um, in collaboration, I must add, with uh, our local brothers and sisters. But I think that there can be some form of a change in what's going on, um, because it, it can't continue the way that it is going now. Mm. And mm. we can't keep relying on the same recycled... Yes, <laughs> candidates yes, yes. and I mean this is recycled because if we talk um, 2008 was Nanado I'm sure mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he went up and I'm sure he actually did he go before that no that was Kafour no just 2008 yeah but 2008 he went 2012 he went yeah 2016 oh, yeah. he went and he's going again in 2020 cool Mohammed's mm. been mm. he's come he's left and he wants to come again. Yeah. If that doesn't say that, that that's in fact that's the history of Ghana. Forward, yeah. backwards, twice. <laughs> you know, and keep going back to what was rather than looking in the future. Ghana. Yeah. Um, this paradox. We um well, this is the paradox. <laughs> <laughs> it's it it must change. And I wouldn't want a situation where the candidates that come after them, because right now we're still looking at the two part, the two main parties to see, okay, who are their next people being lined up, right? And I guess we all have ideas of who's coming after who. But mm-hmm. they can be young in age, but still have the same mentality yep. of the older generation. Um, and as we've spoken before, I think, yeah, there needs to be some form of a third, a third force. And that third force doesn't have to necessarily gain power. Okay. It just shakes up the discussion. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just a bit, yeah, it's just disruption within the element. simple as that, you know. And we were onto something a little bit when it came to Occupy Ghana and whatnot, but again, mm-hmm. they had their own agendas. Um, it's but they did do they did do some good, they did mm. do some good. So it's and I've taken it away from the original question in regards to the uh debates, oh, well, would, uh, debates, but I, I just think that the, the conversation is a lot wider, yeah, than yeah just the debate in that sense so and yeah. uh, i also like what you what you did there but yeah. i also like the fact that both of you are really you did really hit on a very big issue that to me is a major issue are the current Ghanaian president's leader of the position are they actually training their successors and not just the person that will look, that will take after me, but even the upcoming one is there more of um, is there more of groups that are actually built up so that then we actually have different people from different parties with different ideologies coming through to bring different solutions. So, well, I'd say 
and I think Charlene will probably be better placed to answer this, but if we look at the example of what happened recently um, with Alotte Jacobs, I believe mm -hmm. that's the name, where he's essentially been suspended or kicked out of the mm -hmm. NBC for having an opinion contrary to <laughs> the party. Mad. I mean, it, I mean, it's believable simply because it's politics, and it yeah. happened. It happened anyway, in a sense. But it just goes to show again that you you're not allowed to have independent thought, and that this politics thing that we're in within Ghana and Africa, essentially, mm. it's party first, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's party first. It's not Ghana first. It's not you, the citizen first, mm. right? So it's actually quite laughable that we're being told that you're the only alternative yet in that in the same you know same week your party are saying that because somebody else said the current government have done a decent job in this area or that can area, you imagine yeah. <laughs> you've now been banned yeah it goes to show that the discourse is toxic yeah and, it, and it's not changing meaning whoever comes after them will be of the same cloth mm -hmm. and continue to continue with this rhetoric and yeah. this behavior and never move the country forward from a social and economic perspective or any any element to be honest with you so that's my yeah I, I think I think that's the problem I mean the you know when you when you kind of nurture your successor or those to come after you you want to instill um values certain values and, and philosophies um like that's basically the whole point of culture you know, my grandmother will teach my mother, will teach me, will teach my daughter, that kind of thing. Like the the idea that you can't even debate what that culture is in itself is a problem. Um, and it it tells you also that, you know, just with that particular suspension, that um they are not. Um, and when I say they, I, I do not mean that party in particular. Most of the political parties are, are the same. They would behave in the same way. There is not a focus or a dedication to philosophy, um, yeah. rather just to the party. Like, imagine if the Labour Party suddenly stopped trying to be for the working class. You'd be like, sorry, what? And then someone says, oh, we've stopped trying to be for the working class. And they're like, all right, you need to leave. <laughs> um, I mean, they kind of they 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 tried a few times, but... Yeah, that's, 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 well, that's, 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 <laughs> for security reason, we are not going to talk about. <laughs> oh. but, but sorry, the, but that, <laughs> it's so true. As I was saying, I was like, wait, this is that's what the past five years has been. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but, but it, it, it's, it's so strange. Um this idea like people oh we're we're a socialist party or or we are a capitalist party or a party for business or whatever and then and so they, they claim to be you know uh, for a particular philosophy and then someone says oh without challenging my own philosophy on the situation i just like to praise the other side and suddenly it's you know you might as well kill your own mother like it it um it it is really worrying that you do that because obviously as we know with fake news and everything else and the polarization of politics around the world the more you take people out of your algorithm the more you take other voices out other opinions out of your algorithm you just get fed with more crap that you believe in that reaffirms what you believe in and so you go oh 
I believe this. And when I researched it, I was fed with more of what I believe and therefore it must be true. Um, and that's, that's not good for us as um, a country and as a continent, just because we don't have the luxury of um, shutting out half of our people's opinions. Um, we, we genuinely need a lot more collaboration. Um, so at the very least, if we can't yet collaborate ruling party and opposition, at least within the opposition, they need to be able to collaborate on the spectrum that they that they occupy. Um, so, I, I mean, that being said, do I think that they are nurturing some people potentially? Um, I know of a few people I would love to see in my, in my generation um, become politicians. And every time I speak to them, I'm always like, Charlie, leave your job in London and go back. Hurry up. Um, <laughs> But I think we still have a few more elections filled with men over 55. <laughs> I, th I think we are a number of elections away from a 40-year-old president. How many would you think in terms of a forecast? <clears throat> Potentially, as things are now, as things are now, four. That's oh. 16 years. Another, another 16 years before we get some more diversity. Yeah. Potentially even 20 years, but I'm, I'm trying to be hopeful. Yeah, let's make it 16. Mm. I mean, even less, hopefully, but no, definitely 16. And I think that when you were talking, there's something that came to mind um, stemmed from what Nigel was saying. I also think that when you're introducing yourself in terms of both that uh, in this case the MPP at NDC mm. they also need to take into account that for example most of us let's say most of us diasporans might not really know because I would definitely know who they are through the eyes of my father through the eyes mm. of my mom through the eyes of relatives that perhaps they might be very affiliated with one party or the other mm -hmm. so I think it's high time that and that's why I also strong believer of debates, just in case, so that then they can kind of reintroduce themselves. And then afterwards, it's up to you to decide whether and which one you like to opt for. But then as soon as you reintroduce yourself and you tell me, this is my ideology, this is my, this is what my beliefs are, mm. you are unable to make an informed decision. But up till that time, you literally just go according and along the line of your mom and dad or your tribal lines. It's true, but then, and I'm I'm not against it. It's just more to do with. I guess I just have this thing regarding the two parties, right? Who mm. have shown time and time again they have no ideology, well, they can't stick to whatever ideology that they they say they they representing. Yeah. Um. So even if somebody was voting based on you know, family lines, tribal lines, etc. It, it's always just be the same for mm. now. As I say, it's, <laughs> we have a debate today and Uncle Fadl says whatever he's going to say. Mm. Muhammad comes and says what he's going to say and everyone else. The only people that I would probably listen to to see if they hear, to hear if they say anything different would be the other parties. Mm. Do they have any other ideas? Simply because I've seen you perform Mm. And I've seen you perform. Not only that, I've seen both of your parties perform over this period of time and we're here. Mm. I haven't seen you guys. So what new ideas do you have? Mm. 
what you know, you know, mm-hmm. like it might it might seem like a, a shot in the dark, but it's mainly just sometimes you, sometimes you need something a little bit different, mm-hmm. fresh, and also it probably shakes them up a little bit, True. you know, to oh wow, we can actually be defeated. Complacency. Yeah. yeah. Because we know what's gonna happen, right? Uh MPP will if we go by Ghana's history, MPP will win this election, be in there for another four years, NDC will win the next two. Mm-hmm. MPP will come back. It's right. Cycle. It's it's. I mean, that's the cycle of mediocrity that we've been in, you know, in regards to not thinking outside of the two that we know. Yeah. Some good has been done in in both those parties, and a lot of bad has been done too. Yeah. Right. Um, and no one else has had a look in, and I, I do wonder, and I hope maybe one day we can get some of the other candidates from the other parties on. Um. I'd love to hear what Samira um, Nkrumah has to say in regards to where CPP currently stand, mm. um, a party that was, that essentially brought us our independence, has been in the dark ever since her father was out. Yeah. And uh, PPP as well, who at a point in time had a strong candidate was, um, in um, Papa Kwesiendum mm. as well, um, who actually, if I recall, um, is the first... Well, one of the first um, politicians outside of the fir- um, main two parties to be appointed a minister in one of the governments. Yeah. Um, he was a minister in uh, President Kufour's government. So that was that says something about him. So, yeah. So it, I'd just like to see what, what would Ghana look like under different leadership. Mm. You know what? At the GPP, we like to listen to your request so you've heard it all here from Nigel's mouth to my ears <laughs> let's get our alternative candidates and let's start having these conversations with them so you've heard it first and you know that if the GBP is a short day, it will happen so stay tuned guys but yeah no Nigel I definitely agree and I also no, agree with what I, I, I just look forward to Charlene interviewing them. <laughs> but what do you mean though what do you mean okay so what's going to happen what's going to happen is that Charlie might be told that nothing is happening there's nothing happening on the day and then I will be then taking over no 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 you, you two you're also too politically uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm diplomatic I'm yeah we know we know you already asked Darlene if you can be the ambassador to Barbados oh I like the way Charlene pries into, well, into these uh, wait I'll be like you're making no sense <laughs> come again <laughs> Typical Ghanaian answer would say, "Let me pray about it." Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what it is as well? Like, I, I feel that when it comes to politics, right, you don't need to be a politician to make an impact. Mm. If you're telling me that you need to become an MP first, or you need to become a minister first before you can do anything, you probably would never get my vote. Yeah, because we all do something with the little that we have. With the people around us. I mean, you're a politician. Essentially, your job is to serve the people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if that was installed in you prior to that, you would be doing that mm-hmm. as your everyday. And the people call you to lead. Mm-hmm. You don't ask. Mm-hmm. They, they call you, essentially. 
what did they see in Kwame Nkrumah? Mm. That this guy was a leader, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they called him over. We need you. He didn't ask to be. He didn't ask to be a leader. And I think a lot of our so-called politicians and people wanting to get into politics have have got it wrong. Yeah. Um, they've got it wrong, and that's why we keep going through this perpetual cycle of mediocre yeah. politicians, whether it be MPs or people higher up, people that are only in it for themselves mm. um, because they haven't got, they haven't grasped the idea of what it means to serve the people mm. regardless. But another question, I guess it can literally go to both of you. Then, if you've seen mediocrity throughout, wouldn't your self at some point telling you, you know what, I've literally had enough. I need to know what's next, what's best. And even without having to go all the way to another country, I literally need to know, I need another option. I am done mm-hmm. and I'm through. Like in any relationship, right? Any relationship <laughs> that you've been in, and uh, it's not bad enough, by the way, uh, in any relationship that you're in, when at some point you've seen that it's always a cycle, there's always the same pattern and it doesn't move forward, you mm. literally just say, you know what? You might break it down saying, sorry, babe, it's not me, it's it's not you, it's me. It doesn't matter you want to break it down, but you want to severe or to literally cut the ties. So why wouldn't they go near an electorate at some point and say, you know what? We've literally had enough. We see the same thing all the time. It's like a deja vu. It's... Easier said than done. Yeah. And there's also this thing called Stockholm Syndrome mm-hmm. as well. Um, breaking down a system requires sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Let's face it, not many are willing to sacrifice. Not many of us, let's put ourselves in there too. Mm-hmm. Right? If they said, okay, look, Charlene, Nigel, okay, Ghana will change, Ghana will develop. Africa will become the powerful, powerful continent in the world. You two people must die first. <laughs> it's okay, well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We're fine the way we are. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, some, some people, even if you said <laughs> you have to give up your European passport first before we do X, would struggle, right? Uh, so we can easily say you get fed up and you just bounce or you just cause chaos or you just rise up mm. but to what end mm. you know you can't just yeah. rise up out of anger you have to have strategy. a strategy like what's the end and that's what happens in a lot of the countries the people that lead these are more like cult figures mm-hmm. the French right and there's no end like what's the plan okay we've we've um had a coup against the government or we've done this we've done that whatever they've done in like let's say the Arab Spring and all these other places what happens when you are now the head of state? Same old. You know? So yeah. it, it, it's misguided anger, essentially. Yeah. Let's put that somewhere else and really um, cultivate a change in culture, mm-hmm. a change in thinking, so that it's not just a cult figure that has to rise up. No, you have the masses that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So whether you're there or you're not there, they will critically think and make the right decision. Take South Korea. They imprisoned their president, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they imprisoned their president. They didn't need one person to come out and start speaking and lead the... No, 
they all did it because they were all of sound mind mm -hmm. enough to realize that no, this is not what we voted for. Time to go. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, but I think the mode and the medium in which it takes has to be different and has to be in a way that it's long lasting and constantly developing for the better. Yeah, and I think the I think the foundations need to be right. Um, Ghanaians, I honestly, I truly believe this. I do not think Ghanaians believe they deserve a better life than they currently live. Um, and that's shocking. No, no. I mean, I mean sorry, maybe that's me coming from no, the diaspora. No, I, fu I fully, no, no, I fully believe this. I honestly fully believe. I don't know whether it's a colonial, it, like you know, teaching or what. I don't know where it's come from, but I don't think they think they deserve anything better than what we're currently existing in. And I don't just mean the back and forth of one political party to to another. That's the symptom of the the problem. Um, I think perhaps they think that Africans are doomed to be um, poor, um, that we're meant to be the world's poverty town. Um, and so for that reason, black thing. yeah, yeah, potentially they think just because we're black or I don't, but the thing is, it's just like, just about this. <laughs> but do, do you think that, because <laughs> that's a statement. I see where you're coming from but I probably I, I interpret it differently like I see it as you know when you're in this perpetual state right mm. you just become accustomed to this is just how it is okay mm. so if you take bad mm. roads bad education <laughs> corruption is just corruption it's just like this is just how it is like in this place mm -hmm. we haven't seen any different we're not going to see anything different this is it not not to the extent where they wouldn't want better but what does better even look like anymore mm -hmm. because we're forever mm -hmm. promised better it never comes so we just lost we, what does it look like whereas for yeah. us we've lived our lives outside to an extent and okay there's some good thinking and there's some bad thinking um, and bad experiences that we've had as well. Mm -hmm. But we've seen certain things work. So if we go, when we go back, and this is where we do our Tuno, um, <laughs> yeah, our, 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 our Tuno behavior yeah. in regards to, no, like, why is it taking you an hour to bring me my food? Like, mm -hmm. and why are you screwing up your face? Like, <laughs> like you're doing me a favor. Or why do I have to give you additional funds to do the job you're paid to do yeah or why is this road like this like when we start questioning things it's because we've not only seen certain things work mm -hmm. and not to say everything we've seen is better no we've just seen something different mm -hmm. that we think if we tweak it a little bit this might work in this environment essentially mm -hmm. so because we've seen it we're less likely to tolerate because we know that there can be the, yeah. there's 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 something better out but, there. But, Whereas if the majority is an app, yeah, I but know. I feel like they know that though. They, you know, you know what a good road but, looks but like. We're, we're, <laughs> but what we, but no, but we know what a good road looks like. However, this road in this area has always been that way. Yeah. So if you take I don't know, and I'm see, I'm speaking of, out of the context of even a car, just mm -hmm. in general, mm -hmm. right? Take the motorways. Mm -hmm. They're not motorways. Okay, yeah. they're not highways. They're two lanes, right? This is what they know. Mm. This is what we know to be our motorway. Mm -hmm. Okay, there are plenty of issues, and that's not to say there aren't educated people there that know. 
better and how and we how we need to develop etc i'm talking about the wider populace that have the advantage to go and okay i won't say that but the wider populace that have that have the advantage that have the numbers Mm -hmm. to really speak out um some people have just become accustomed to this is just how it is and changing that mindset comes from education and experience like if you it's, it's, you use the analogy of somebody being in a bad relationship, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and they've been in that relationship for however long. They feel there's, this this isn't right. Like, something about this isn't right. Then take away the visible aspects of it, of whether, you know, they're being verbally abused and whatnot. There's nothing, there's something wrong about this. Toxic. It's toxic. Mm. But what does better really look like because i've been in this situation for so long i i think there is better but how do i get it what does it look like like it's 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 almost even a fear to leave your current situation because better the devil you to know. go out into the wilderness yeah. yeah because you don't know what it could look like although you know and you've heard and especially in this this world now with social media and everything you've heard you've seen mm. what could be like you said, maybe that's not for me. Maybe that could never be me. Mm. <laughs> maybe my question is, I don't know, maybe, you know what, that's what I said, and maybe I love talking to you because you guys have been more in tune with Ghana compared to myself, at least. So, I mean, how long can you be numb for you? How long? How long can you be numb enough for you to say, you know what, I'm going to keep on enduring the toxicity? Because it's true. I agree with what Nigel was saying. Mm. As in, sometimes you speak with Nigerians, you speak with some of my friends, Francophone friends, and they said, oh my God, the Ghanaian airport is amazing, fantastic. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, it's okay, but there's so <laughs> much that can be improved. It's one room. But you see why you say that? Because... What you've seen and experienced is of a certain level to an extent. Do you understand? Like, I've had it too with some of my friends that have come over to Ghana and whatnot. Mm. How they see Ghana in comparison to how they see their countries, you'd think that Ghana's like... Paradise. Yeah. Mm. When to us Ghanaians, what the hell is this? Like, (laughs) do you understand? Mm. Like, we don't see the same Ghana that everybody else sees at all. If... um. (laughs) If a diasporan American, right, yeah. comes to Ghana, mm-hmm. they feel, or anywhere in Africa, to be honest, Black Africa, they feel, my days, this is this is like oh, home. Right. Like, I don't have to run away from the police. I don't have to, mm. you know, whereas we who have been there, we're like, oh, another checkpoint, this idiot's going to ask me for money. <laughs> like, yeah. do, you, do you understand? Yeah. Everything's about experiences in that respect. And we it changes depending on that and what you've experienced prior to what you're now experiencing. And it's, it's the same reason why when people do go back to Ghana and you've stayed in Ghana longer than I have, mm. when people do go back to Ghana, right, and we go over to ourselves <laughs> and the um, the light goes off. Yeah. Okay? Oh, we don't even have sustainable light. This and that, etc. Like, the plenty complaints, plenty complaints. He's laughing because she was complaining. Right. <laughs> When she said it's enough, uh, she yes. said she's coming I back. I said, forget I this. <laughs> she said she's done. Yeah. You better start discarding right. <laughs> 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 this. Like, because what are we used to? 
like the light don't go off. No. The light doesn't go off. Why should I iron my clothes? Yeah. <laughs> the whole wardrobe. Like, all my clothes. Just in case. The whole wardrobe. Because when I wake up, there might not be any light. In fact, wow. when I wake up, because the pump's gone off, mm. I switch on the tap and I can't brush my teeth. Can you imagine? I have to go and get a bottle of water. Yeah. You know, for those for those who don't have generators and whatnot, this is this is what they're living, but this is what they're used to. Mm. They know that there's better. But better where? Like where is where? where? So what should you do? The, the, only, the better means me getting money, yeah, to be able to live a certain life. So I can afford the generator. So I can afford this because you know what? Government isn't ever going to do anything about it. All they care about in their eyes is four by fours and this and this and that. They can you can you can say, yep, they've given up on the on mm. whatever the Ghanaian dream was, if there was a Ghanaian dream. Ghanaian dream. Well, there was a Ghanaian one, actually. In fact, and Kwame Nkrumah said it. Right? Wow. But we've deviated so far away from that that it becomes... It's, it's like life. Mm. You, have your, you have your ambitions. You have all your dreams and fantasies when you're young. <clears throat> the years keep going. Life starts to hit you a bit more. You're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And time keeps passing by. The next minute, you know, 50, 60, you haven't done any of that and you have your regrets. I wish. Yeah. I wish. You know? Yeah. Because life has hit you so much that you don't even have the energy to even try anymore. I don't know, maybe it's my privilege talking and for this, I mean, there's so much I can apologise for, but then in my mind, I'm also thinking, okay, you also need to take to get to the stage of saying, I am not doing it for me anymore. I'm doing it for the next three or four generations. So, for example, I have a friend who's got an Italian passport, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Is that you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a friend. <laughs> That's a genuine question, but it did sound like you. Well, I played the thing, I shall not comment. So, well, well, I kind of gave myself away. Anyway, so I know this, let's call it Kwame, right? I've got this friend called Kwame. Isn't that your name as well? Okay. Let's say Kwame. He's not my friend. Let's say that's Kwame. Kwame's going to Italian passport. The Italian passport. Uh, will take will last because Italy is a, a use solely country, which means that it's only based on you result. It's based on you being born to an Italian. You sanguine is not you solely. Apologies for that. So because of that, up till the sixth generation, you're Italian, right? Mm-hmm. So in Kwame's mind, it is important that despite the many problems that countries like Italy are, very similarly to Ghana, by the way, that we continue to push so that at least up till the sixth generation, some of his posterity will be able to say, you know what, Italy is not the best country. However, there are a few things such as education, health and justice, which are infrastructure, which are working. Mm-hmm. So doesn't it come to mind sometime to my fellow Ghanaians that this is something that we can work and look up for? Because it's not just about us. About That's why I always said that even if, it's not this generation. Wouldn't you want to improve things for the next one to come for our children, for our children's children? Because seriously, you want to be, you want the posterity to say, you know what? Oh, my dad was a Ghanaian. I'm so proud of being Ghanaian. And I've still got the password to prove it. That's that. Mm. Um, and it's very reductionist, by the way. But I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me and I'm talking out of privilege. But please do, do bring your opinion on this. Oh my breath. 
a lot of people, you know, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> people are still fighting for that. You understand? People are still fighting for their basic needs. Yeah. For today. For today. Mm-hmm. And you want me to care about 20, 30, 40 years from now when I'm not here. Meanwhile, I borrowed money from my neighbor who's knocking on my door every day. Please, please, I don't have time. It's one of the reasons why when it came to the free education, <laughs> opposition could make noise about because there'll be some people that'll be like, why, like, free education? You're educating my children. Some people think like that. You're educating my people, but what's going into my pocket? Mm. People want to be fed today. Yeah. When you fed the people today, they will sit down in peace and listen to what you have to say. Mm. You can't talk to me if I'm hungry. None of us, if we're hungry, no one's talking to us. <laughs> yeah. We're hungry. Yeah. And whilst I'm eating, please don't talk. Yeah. Time, no friends. Mm. Right? But once I've eaten, I've had my juice, <laughs> let's talk. Yeah. They're tired. And you just company, if you want to jump on, we're looking for sponsors. <laughs> 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 we we have to remember we have to remember that we don't we haven't lived continuously yeah in Ghana or anywhere else in Africa we have privileges mm-hmm. they don't have mm. right um, we can move as freely as we want across the globe even when we all move back we still have a different advantage yeah. if anything happens. We've still got that passport and can go anywhere we want. But somebody that is literally stuck, right, Mm. and is in this state of constant, I don't know, I think it was George Aiti that once said it's economic terrorism. That's what he calls it. That's what he calls economic terrorism. They're stuck in this, this continuous perpetual cycle without much of a hope. And... We're talking like right now, there's a lot of people in the UK being put on furlough. There's a lot of people lost their jobs, mm, okay? Mm. But you could probably still go online and find something. Mm-hmm. Like literally, some, like anything. Mm-hmm. You can go online and find anything. That's not possible yeah. back home. Yeah. Literally, that's not possible. So you want me to be thinking about the generations to come. You don't pay me to think about that. That's why you're in charge. That's why we voted you. So don't ask me to don't ask me to be coming together. Yeah. It's, coming, it's not going to happen. It's dif- it's it's we- difficult. Like 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 Nigel said before. You know, it, this is the existence is as it is. I mean, you can't give what you don't have, right? So if you can't see a way out of this situation for yourself right now, if you can't work out a way to get the road for you to drive on. I don't know how you're working out how to get the road for your kid. Like, uh, if you can't, you know, yeah, just if, if you can't do it now, if you just look at things and go, listen, things are not going to change in my lifetime right now. It is kind of a shot in the dark to even assume you know how to make it happen for your generations to come. And and you won't even be there to, to even be sure that you shot correctly in the dark, you know. So... Yeah, like we. This is where this is where the, you know, the national citizens, civic education, something or other, just need to do better at 
dialogue with people first of all understanding what they understand like speaking to them getting their their opinion of Ghana what they think their situation is before then you you know you're able to kind of speak to them about what their rights are or you know all the rest of it but if if we're not having those conversations like right now let's be honest there are no conversations really there's complaints yeah. at chop bars and thing but there aren't conversations about what would people want differently and when we talk about oh the people want jobs and stuff yeah obviously it, it's kind of like a it's an assumption actually it's not actually it's not actually a knowledge it's an assumption um that the yeah. politicians put out there um because nobody's actually asking anybody. Nobody even surveyed to actually find out what's the most important thing to Ghanaians right now. Yeah, and the funny thing about that as well is that's that's a micro level mm-hmm. research. Um, Ghana's split into fourteen, or is it sixteen regions? Yeah, and even in those regions, there are different villages and whatnot. There, there are universal things that the nation needs, right? Mm-hmm. But even in campaigning, you have to know how to speak to people in different areas demographics of what they what they are looking for yeah you know you, you might go to let's say in Kranza mm-hmm. Derek's looking at me like what's an in Kranza <laughs> it's a place in, <laughs> it's a place in Ghana right that used to be in the Brungafa region mm-hmm. right what I mean, they might what, what they might be looking for there Will be completely different to what, let's say, somebody in East Legon was. Yep, of course. Yeah, right. And it's working on a micro level mm-hmm. to then build up because that's why when we speak about you know uh, for third parties coming in or the other parties that are already there changing their strategy is look, why are you striking for presidency when you need to be looking at what's happening on ground and solving those issues? Mm-hmm on ground first in these these constituencies then you build up your profile and your strength yeah there because everybody's constituency needs different things you know but hey Mm, no i think uh i think you guys are really right and i i've even had a bit of education about kwanzaa in kwanzaa Kwanzaa. Did you say Kwanzaa? <laughs> yeah. Kwanzaa. <laughs> yeah. And Kwanzaa. That place. I like to visit. So, to all my Kwanzaa people, I will be there soon. I love to visit. Um, no, but I really agree. I think that it's high time we actually have just flowing conversation. And from a diaspora point of view, I also strongly believe that diaspora really need to... What's the word in tree? Uh, is that right? What are you trying to say? <laughs> I was trying to say they should also humble themselves sometimes. As in, we might think that we have all the solutions, but we also need to understand that because there are different type of needs there mm-hmm. and they might be more mm-hmm. localised, we also need to look into that from a more local type of response and perspective rather than just oh i come from their abroad and come from the abroad trade so i think it's more of a marine of all of these but thanks a lot nigel and charlene for another great episode on the gpp the ghana products podcast and uh, we look forward to next week for another great time and another great section talking about all things ghana and in the word of our greatest Sir Jeffrey, for whatever.
Take care, guys. Yeah,